Well, good morning. Are you ready for the word this morning? Welcome you here in person and those joining us online as well. So uh, great to, to be joining together with you on this happy uh, uh, daylight saving day that we have uh, as a part of our culture here today. So it's so good to see all of those who are remembered to change their clocks today. You're very intelligent, you're wise and exceptionally good looking today. So uh, welcome to Infuse Church. Uh, pray that you uh, get a great deal out of this message. We're going to be continuing on, or I'm going to be continuing on with this uh, series that we're currently doing in relation to relationships. Uh, and the focal point that's, uh, that's, uh, we're, we're talking about over the, uh, this week and certainly in a couple of weeks' uh, time to come as well. Relationships are really crucial in uh, all of our lives. We, the, the fact of the matter is we need people in our lives. Even right at the very beginning, um, the Father said it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, so, you know, he, he let us know that we, we need relationships. Uh, it's it's uh, just a simple fact of the matter. So I'm just going to pray uh, before I launch into this morning's message and uh, pray that God speaks to us uh, as I speak to you. So Father, I thank you for the power of your word today. I thank you for the relationship that we can enjoy with you, first of all, that you make a way for us to come into relationship with you. You sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for all of our sins and that uh, we can have faith in that and and believe that we can come into relationship through all that Jesus has done for us. I thank you also that we can have great relationships around about us with people that we're doing life with. And I thank you for those relationships flourishing, uh, getting better and better with each and every new day. So I pray, Holy Spirit, as I speak about relationships today, that you take my words and that become transformation in our hearts and that we'd start to, to put the word to work in everyone's life in Jesus' name. Amen. Numerous studies have been done about the absolute necessity of uh, relationships in our lives, the give and take, the, the ebb and flow of relationships. And, you know, like I said a couple of weeks ago that there's a number of benefits about having some healthy relationships in our lives. And here's a, here's a few more uh, uh, some of the benefits that we can enjoy as a result of having some great relationships. Uh, we can live longer. Anyone want to live longer? Wow, one person. Uh, two persons. Excellent. I'm glad Jane said yes, so th there's hope for me. Uh, we heal quicker. Anyone want to heal quicker? Yeah, oh, there's, oh, there's, uh, we're getting into it now. We have lower blood pressure. Anyone want lower blood pressure? Hallelujah. Bless Jesus right there. Stronger immune system. Anyone got an immune? You want an immune system? It's going to be a stronger one. That's great. Uh, more physically fit. You could look like me. Yeah, right there. Hallelujah. How come some of you girls put your hand up about looking like me? What's going on there? You, I'm glad we're in church. You need church. Gee. Hallelujah. We feel less pain. Anyone feel less pain? Hallelujah. Oh, I went for a walk yesterday. Oh, boy. Feeling the effect. I went to physio on Friday and I'm feeling the effects. My shoulders. Like I did some push-ups for the first time. I don't know how long, but my triceps, man, alive. They are hurting. I could hardly lift my breakfast spoon up to my mouth this morning. But I managed, so just relax, all right? Let's face it. Relationships are really, really important in life. But sometimes they can be a little bit of hard work. 
Relationships can be hard work. But I've got to say that they are totally worth the effort that we put in. There's so much to be thankful for in life, and relationships are a huge part of the things that we can enjoy in life. We need people in our lives. One of the greatest tests of any relationship is when that relationship comes into tension or into conflict. There's a disagreement, there's a discord that happens in a relationship. And that's the greatest test of any relationship. There are things that hurt our relationship with, uh, with other people. But I want to say that there is good news this morning, that there are things that we can do to reduce the conflict that we have with others. Now, I want to say right up front uh, that it's highly unlikely that we're ever going to have no conflict with someone. Okay, you can just go for a drive in your car and you can come into conflict with someone. Okay, I was on the freeway last night coming home for a fam- from a family function and there are people that insist on driving at 100 kilometres an hour in a 110 zone in the right-hand lane. I came into conflict with them. I was severely ticked. I'm thinking, my goodness, do you not know the road rules? I wish I was a cop still, sometimes. So there's things that we can do, uh, and I don't think we're ever going to reduce the conflict, or not, sorry, not reduce, but have no conflict with people in around us. See, unity is a a key ingredient ingredient for the success and the fulfilment in our lives that we have. And to have a successful business or a sporting team, then the employees or the players need to work together, okay? If they're not working together, it's highly unlikely they're going to have success as a business or as a sporting club. To have successful government, the party must cooperate. To have a successful family or a church, then the members must also work together. See, at Infused Church, we do everything by team. Everything, there's no one-man show. I'm not a one-man show. That's just not how we, I have a leadership team around us that help to support us and to do the things that we do. Each of the various teams that we have, they're not led, led by a single person doing that. There's a team at work. There's someone who takes the responsibility for the guidance and the direction of that team, but there's a team working together to make the outcomes of that team happen. So we do everything by team here at Infuse Church. The problem is that people don't always get along. So how do we reduce the conflict in our relationships and increase the cooperation that we have? And I believe that we can look to the Word of God this morning and we can take some principles from the Word of God to help us to reduce conflict with people in our lives. Is that up, are you up for that this morning? If not, um, praise God anyway. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And I'll read this out for us uh, so that we can uh, be on the same page as to where we're going this morning. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He's actually in prison as he writes this. And this is what he writes in chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Everyone say mindset. mindset. Every mindset. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I mean, just think about that for a moment. What a powerful statement that is. Who himself, being in the very nature God, did not use his position to his own advantage. He says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul tells us that having unity will help us to reduce the conflict that we can experience with others. I love verses 1 to 2 of this passage. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Everyone say like-minded. Having the same love. Everyone say same love. Being one in spirit. Say one in spirit. And one in purpose. One in purpose. See, Paul gives us four expressions of unity from this passage. He says, be like-minded. In other words, get on the same frequency. Be on the same wavelength as the people around about you. Be in agreement with people. He goes on to say, he says, have the same love. In other words, the love of God flowing through us that enables us to do that. He says to be one in spirit. In other words, there's this heart connection. We're joined together. We've got the same heart. Things are going on in that direction. He says have the same purpose. To be one purpose, single in purpose. You know, I'm reminded of the Tower of Babel in the fact that, you know, they made this incredible tower that reached up to the very skies and the heavens and stuff like that. And the Father himself said the reason that they can do this is because they have the same language, they have the same heart, and they're united in purpose. So God came in and he confused the language of people so that they couldn't do that anymore and build themselves an idol and say how great we are. But there's a principle here that when we are in one accord, when we're of the like mind, we're same spirit, one purpose, we're joined at the heart doing things, nothing's impossible for us to do and achieve as the people of God. I love what the Amplified Bible says. So this might be a bit loud for some people here today, so we'll try and dull it down. In verse 2, he says, Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. This harmon- it's like a symphony is being created by what we're doing because all of the different instruments are coming together to make a sound that's glorious. There's harmony in, in, in what you're doing. And, and, and to, uh, if you were to ask any worship leader, now I'm not an expert in worship leading and stuff like that. I'll give it a good crack on the front row, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm still learning and stuff. And if you were to ask any worship leader or a singer what it takes to actually bring in the harmonies, then you have to actually be listening to the people around about you to make that sound because there's a harmony. And you can tell when someone's not in harmony. So Paul says that having these attitudes of heart, 
It prepares us to embrace five practical steps to reduce the tension, the clashes, the conflict that we can experience sometimes with other people in our lives. So I'm going to go through five practical steps to help us to understand how to reduce conflict in our lives. Number one, we reduce conflict by diffusing competition. We reduce the competition in our lives. Too too often, we compete with people instead of complete people. My job as a husband of Jane is not to compete with her, but to complete her. Because Jane is exceptional in areas that I'm not so good at. She's brilliant at cooking, not that you'd ever tell. So we complete one another. We don't compete with one another unless we're playing Trivial Pursuit. In which case, all bets are off. And it's slaughter time. You just bring the hammer. Yeah, the rubber. Jane gave me a black eye playing Trivial Pursuit one day. I kid you not. We were playing Trivial Pursuit, and I'd won for maybe a few games in a row, and she said, if you win this next game, I'm going to hit you. And there was a stuffed duck sitting nearby. I won the game, and she hit me in the eye with the, the, the thing. Now, oh, oh, sorry, I moved. I moved. I copped it in the head because I moved. Just saying, just saying, I'm completing, I'm not competing. I went to work and I thought, I'm going to milk this. I'm going to milk this. Because it, it didn't hurt at all. Like, so I come home, but what I'd done at work, I got a lead pencil and I coloured in. Right under, under my eye there. And I come in, I thought, oh, Jane. Because I, I, I was on night shift, she's working up in the morning, she'd probably forgotten about it. She looks at me, she says, Oh, what I said, that's where you hit me in the eye. I repented later. But I was completing her. Not comp- okay, I was, comp- I was competing with her, but I was trying to milk it. But there you go. So we, we fight with each other because we have conflicting desires. And that's, that's why we, we come into this competition stuff. In, in verse 3 of, of chapter 2 of Philippians here, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. The Jerusalem Bible actually says it this way, There must be no competition among you. The Phillips version says, Never act from motives of rivalry. That says it so well, doesn't it? Now, as a kid... I was involved in many one-sided rivalries with my smaller, younger brother. Sadly, he lost many of those, those times we came together. Even into our early 20s, uh, I remember one particular time my brother went away. He joined the army. He came back with all this kung fu jujitsu stuff. And uh, my, Jane and I were sitting on the banks of the river. My brother was there. We'd caught up because he's back on leave and as we're sitting there on the banks of the River Torrens, I'm sitting in front of him. He's jumped me. 
because he wants to use his jujitsu stuff on me and, and like, teach me a lesson. Well, I put his neck out. <laughs> he was okay afterwards, you know, because I said I was sorry again. I said, I'm trying to complete you, mate. I'm trying to complete your training, Obi-Wan. But uh, so we come into these com- com- I don't know. You've got to pray for me, honestly, because I do get myself in a lot of trouble. It's just a gift I've got. If you want to know the gift of getting into trouble, hang around. <laughs> All right, I guarantee I'll get you into trouble. But so, so you know, we, we come into this thing, uh, and some of us are still in, in, in competition and rivalry with our brothers and sisters. With our brothers and sisters. Do you know what I mean? The people that we're maybe walking through life with. Here's some some really good free advice for you this morning. We're adults, but more importantly, we are on the same team, in the same family, and we need to stop competing with each other and work at completing each other. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 2 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. So we fight. James is saying that one of the causes of conflict is our competing desires. Our culture teaches us to have instant gratification. So when my needs conflict with yours, we have trouble. And if we want to have unity, we've got to diffuse the competition. Our Connect Group is working through the, uh, the Purpose Driven Life devotional book as the teaching that we use in our Connect Group. And the very first thing that Rick Warren says in this devotional, right at the very start, is a powerful, powerful statement about what uh, the Christian life is about. He says, life's not about me. This is what he said. It's a powerful statement. Life's not about me. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is there competition in your marriage? Are you competing instead of completing in your marriage, in your relationships, if you're not married? Are you competing with one another? See, the root of most marriage problems is plain old selfishness. It's me first, you second. Even today... I still open the car door for my wife. I still open doors for, for people, ladies, or I defer, I prefer to open a door for someone else. I don't say that to boast about anything about me, but I'm saying I'm here to complete her. Secondly, we reduce conflict by deleting conceit. You're going to notice a pattern here, okay? Diffusing competition, deleting conceit. There's a pattern, trust me. So to better promote unity, we've got to get rid of the pride issue. 
We don't do things just to show off or to gain praise or to get glory from others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 again says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility to consider others better than ourselves. The Phillips version says, Never act from motives of personal vanity. The Good News Bible says, Don't do anything from a cheap desire to boast. The Bible says pride goes before a destruction. The the person who gets too big for their britches eventually gets exposed in the end. (laughs) Think about it. Think. Come on. Work with me. Work with me. That's a good dad joke. I should have saved that for next September. Then you're saying, well, you probably hopefully would have forgotten it by then. So pride goes before... Destruction. Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride and insolence, uh, insolence comes only contention. See, pride is, uh, do we want our way all the time and everyone revolves around us? It doesn't, does it? Do we like to admit when we're wrong? Kids, is it actually conceivably possible that your mum and your dad might be right? Parents... Is it actually conceivable that your son or your daughter is right? Who's going to have their way? Number three, we reduce conflict by decreasing criticism. Verse three says, In humility we consider others better than ourselves. Better doesn't mean superior. It actually means worthy of respect and honor. We prefer other people. He says we're not to put people down, but rather to treat them with respect. And this is a radical concept for some people because treating others with respect and honor, what's that about? So why do we decrease criticism? Well, because criticism, when we are critical of others, we think that we are better than others. Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. I've said that to God. And then I've run for my life. See, is those the sorts of words that come? I wouldn't have done it that way. That, you know, that's not how you make that. That's not how you do that. That's not how you sing that. Do, how, how, what, is there a critical spirit at work? When our focus is on others, we are others-centered rather than self-centered. James 4 verses 11 to 12 says, Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? And I said this a couple of weeks ago, that when we go down the track of judging people, We will bring death to that relationship. It will end that relationship because we've already made up in our mind what their motive is, why they're doing that, the the, the reasons for all of that that's happening. We've made this judgment. But if we seek to to bring life to this relationship, we need to go down the road of, of seeking to understand how they're wired. Now, they may have done something that you don't agree with, but rather than saying, well, then you're doing that because you, know, you just want to tick me off or whatever. But if we actually went to them and say, help me to understand uh, why you feel that way. 
Well, help me to understand uh, your reasoning behind it, because I really want to, to understand how you're wired so that I can build a relationship with you and, and we can get closer as, a, as people doing life together. You know what that does? It opens the door to, to, to greater relationship, a closer relationship. It, it opens the door to life in that relationship. It doesn't seek to judge it and then to finish it. It opens the door to it. See, we don't know the people's motives, their background or what's going on inside of them. And I know that the Holy Spirit challenges me directly on some things that I've done most of my life. Most conversations or interactions that I've had, I've had this problem in my own life. And I've, I've tried to, to work on it and, and sometimes I'm really good at it and sometimes I'm really bad at it but, and I'm trying to get a hold of it. But this, this th thing that I struggle with is being sarcastic in my responses to people. And it's something I've got to really watch because what it does, it actually creates a, a gap between us because as it, at its core, uh, this sarcastic nature actually devalues the other person. And what they're doing, it means, uh, it's a means of putting someone else down at the expense of myself. And it's something I'm trying to work on in my own life. But it's also a big problem for, for people is this whole thing of criticism. The problem is it's fun to criticise sometimes. We like to criticise, we like to pick faults and, in others because it makes us feel better about us. We think we build ourselves up by putting others down, and that's never a good thing to do. It's never a good thing to do. Now, the Bible says that if we want to reduce conflict with other people, then we need to decrease the criticism and stop judging people. Rather, look for ways to encourage people. Look for ways to open a door to relationship and intimacy and closeness with another person. It's something that breathes life into the relationship, and criticism never breathes life. It just brings death to a relationship. So conflict comes when we fail to value people. And we don't treat them with honor. That's a person that Jesus died for. That's a person that the Holy Spirit is in right now. That may be a person, that, it might be a shopkeeper. No one deserves abuse. Not just black lives matter, every life matters. Every life matters. Fourth. We reduce conflict by demonstrating consideration. Demonstrating consideration. Verse 4 of our passage says, Each of you should look. Everyone say look. Everyone say look. Look. Not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This word look actually comes from a Greek word, which uh, it means skopos, S-C-O-P-O-S, skopos, from which we get the word scope, like on the scope of a rifle, okay? So Paul says that we need to zero in on and pay attention to the needs of other people. But we don't do that. And that's why we've got tension in our relationships, both at home and at work and in some of our other spheres of life as well. We don't pay attention to their needs. How can we pay attention to the needs of others? It's easy. You look and you listen. I, I've said this to, to some people when I've done marriage counselling. You know, we've, we've got two ears and one mouth. and We need to use those in that same proportion. Listen twice as much as we speak. 
I've got to say that as a policeman, sometimes, like, someone did something wrong and, and you pulled them over and they talked themselves into getting booked. They actually talked themselves in. I was completely prepared to give them a caution, just to say, hey, look, you know what? It's, it's Sunday. Let's have a day of rest. You know, I need a day of rest. You need a day of rest. I just, you just made a mistake. You know, let's, let's call it quits. You know, fantastic. No, 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 no. They weren't having that. They needed a ticket. <laughs> and, they, and they talked themselves into getting one. So one mouth, two ears. Let's use them in that same proportion. Otherwise, you might get a ticket too. Here's, here's, a, here's a challenge for, for us today. Think of someone who's significant in your world. It may be your spouse, maybe a, a children, uh, a parent. It may be uh, your, your boss. There's a challenge. Here's, here's, here it is, okay? Could you name... The three greatest interests of that person. Could you tell me what the three greatest interests were of that person? I can tell you what Jane's is. Gary, Gary, Gary. <laughs> could you do... Could you... Could you name the three greatest interests of that person? James is family up front. Always about family. Always about family. That's her main interest in life. It's her family. It's her faith in Jesus. Every morning, I know without fail, Jane works on her relationship with the Father. It's our home. Making a place of peace, of tranquility, of cleanliness, where there's the smell of freshly baking bread. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Have we paid attention to and do we know what interests people? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Treat them with respect. Because as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. If you want your prayers answered, be nice to your spouse. Treat them with respect. Treat them with honour. Treat them with dignity. Open the car door for them. Do things. Prefer them. The way we treat our spouse affects our prayer life. We need to be considerate of each other so that nothing hinders our prayers. We, nothing that I say today is actually new. We just don't do it. And we need to start to do it. When I only see my own needs, my feelings, uh, how tired I am or how pressured I feel, we're not really considering the other person. So are we considerate of those who are closest to us? Do we take them for granted? Do we assume that we have the right to certain things? 
Are we taking into consideration the emotional needs of our spouses, our family and friends? I, I remember many times I worked down in Adelaide and we lived up here at Mount Barker. I actually put something to remind me on my dashboard to ask Jane how her day was. How could I make Jane feel most important when I get home? I may have had a bad day at work, but I guarantee you that Jane's had just as a bad day as well. So I wanted to make sure that Jane knew that I tried to focus in on her. How was your day? What sort of things did you do? Uh, is there anything I can help with? What, what do you need done? Why? Because she's worthy of respect. She's worthy of honour. And a person that I've given my undying love to. The person that Jesus died for. And has given me the responsibility of leading in our home. As the husband. Husbands. Respect and honour your wives. More importantly, listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Jane has an incredible spirit of discernment. And I've learned to my detriment sometimes that I should have listened to her and when I didn't. I want to say to you husbands, listen to your wives. They are intelligent, they are wise, they are loving, they are gracious. And they sometimes hear things that we need to hear and must hear. I'll back off that one now. So fourth, fifth, we reduce conflict, and this is really important, by developing Christ-likeness. We, we reduce conflict by developing Christ-likeness. Verse 5 of our passage says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was actually a master at relationships. He's our role model and our example. And if we want to know how to get along with people, then we need to look at how Jesus re, you know, interacted with people. Look at Jesus. So we need that same attitude that Jesus has. So what attitude did Jesus have? Well, he, number one, he says in verse 6, who being in, in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't demand his own rights. The person who yields their rights to God gets God as the defender of their rights. There's sometimes when I've come into a meeting with someone who's got a grievance, a, 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 a particular uh, conflict, a tension, and thing like that, and, and, and they've said what it is, and uh, sometimes I've just shut up. And I've, you know what? I'm not going to defend myself. Because I'm going to step back and allow God to defend me. But you see, if I go in there and I defend myself, God steps back says, have at it. Sometimes we need to just let God defend us. And you know what? If they walk away from the relationship thinking that, you know... I'm still that person, horrible, nasty, mean, tell bad jokes, a whole thing, then the issue is between them and God. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I will do everything I can to re reconcile a relationship. But sometimes I, I, you just can't defend yourself. You need to let God do that. Is that okay? You still love me? Excellent. Cool. Rock on. So who do we want defending us? Ourselves or God? Let me ask this question. Who's going to do a better job? <laughs> I've tried to defend myself many times and like I just love the taste of leather. I just swap feet. So secondly, in verse 7, 
Jesus, his attitude in, in relation to who he was is that he took the very nature of a servant. He made himself nothing. He had a serving attitude. How do we know if we have a serving attitude? Well, how do we respond when people treat us like a servant? Do we get ticked off? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He has a great attitude in that. Verse 8, who found himself in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was willing to sacrifice for the benefit of others. It's human nature to be selfish, to think only of ourselves. I've got to say, I need help in this. So help is found in Christ. See, verse 5 of our passage says, Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ. See, one of the biggest causes of conflict is living without Christ. Unity is a gift of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.3 says, Do your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by means of the peace that binds you together. The Spirit puts unity in our lives and in our families. And in order for us to get along with others, we must grow more and more like Jesus. It's not about imitating what Jesus did, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit, letting the Spirit of Jesus to live within us. It's about habitation, not imitation. When we consciously choose to put someone else's rights before ours, to serve someone, to build someone up instead of tear them down, to sacrifice for their benefit, we're becoming more and more like Christ. And that's the secret of lasting joy in life through our relationships. Doing this won't eliminate conflict, but I do believe that it will reduce it. So how do we enjoy life and, and reduce the conflict with others? Well, five simple ways. By diffusing competition, by deleting conceit, by decreasing criticism, by demonstrating consideration, and by developing Christ-likeness. It is possible to live happy and satisfied in life in relationship with others. It's possible to have meaningful relationships with the person that we married. And it is possible to enjoy the people that we have around us. And how do we do that? By letting Jesus Christ live through us. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Did you catch that? I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when Jesus is in me and Jesus is in you, Christ is not going to fight with Christ. When there's disunity, tension or conflict with someone, then someone's not living like Jesus. Let's stand.
Just have every head bowed and eye closed, please. I've really covered a lot of ground this morning in this message. And it's never my heart to bring condemnation or make people feel bad, but maybe to help us to recognise areas of growth where we can make some changes and yield our lives more and more to the person of Jesus Christ and his word and his spirit. So this morning, I'm just going to simply pray a, a blanket prayer for us. That our prayer becomes, Lord, this morning I want to crucify my life with you. It's not about me. This life is not about me. This life is about you. I want you to come and live in me by your word and your spirit. That the life I live in this body right now, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who I know loves me and gave himself for me. I thank you that I know and recognize this morning that there are areas of growth in my life. And today, today, not tomorrow, not next week, but today, I just am going to make decisions that help me to do that. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for highlighting things that have quickened into my heart and my spirit. I recognize your touch. I recognize your leading and your prompting as I have listened to this message. Help me to make some adjustments. Help me to respect and honor the people around about me. Help me to bring out the best in them, to speak to their potential and not to criticize. Help me to delete the pride that I have in my own life. Help me to, to live with a, a mindset that's set on you and your word and your ways, Father. Help me to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you with every thought, every action, every word. Help me to prefer people around about me. Help me to serve them and to champion their cause because I know you champion mine. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray against every deceiving spirit in the name of Jesus. I pray against every spirit that would try to distract them and, and try to bring condemnation. I, I thank you, the Holy Spirit, right now, that you bring life through your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, you, you bring a greater understanding of how you've wired us and constructed us and how you've put us together. And Father, if we need to make amends for the way that we've not respected or honoured someone, then make us, help us to, to take the steps of courage to, to make those things right. Father, I thank you for your hand upon every single person here today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I don't know everybody here this morning and certainly don't know who's watching on online. I just want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Jesus did everything to make a relationship possible with the Father. It was because of His sacrifice, His brutal treatment, 
and his death, but then his resurrection that makes life with the Father actually possible. And if you maybe want to open your heart to living in a relationship with God the Father this morning, then say yes to Jesus because no one comes through the Father except through Jesus. No other name by which man can be saved except the name of, name of Jesus. So this morning, I thank you for your presence, Lord. Speak to people about having faith in you and a relationship with you. I thank you for that. Is anyone here this morning maybe? You know, you, I don't know everybody or where you're at, but maybe just, you, you just say, well, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I want to live in relationship with Him. Is anyone here this morning? Just, I'm going to encourage you to just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. And we'd just love to, I'd love to pray with you and to give you some resources that we've got to be able to start you in that great journey of a relationship with the Father. Is anyone here this morning? You just want to open your heart to Jesus. Anyone at all? Anyone online? If you're watching this online, I'd encourage you to put a comment in the, the comment section underneath this message or touch base with us through infusechurch.org.au, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, anything. Anyone this morning? Father, I pray for the people that are watching this message. Touch them in their heart. They're receiving Christ right now. We pray success in that relationship. We pray, Lord God, for your hand upon that relationship. Draw them to yourself, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. Thank you for it.